Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And this conversation, Christy, it really surprised me by how a low bar is often also a sacred bar. Friends, I hope it surprises you all in the same way as we head into this often fraught holiday season time. Yeah, here we are again, Lisa Jo, still just muddling through, but now... I mean, amazingly, really, I am actually eager to muddle through the upcoming holidays. I'm excited for that. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. Oh, in the spirit of muddling through, we have an update, friends, a rabies breaking news update for all of you. I know (laughs) you've been on the edge of your seats just wondering about this, but Christy, we really, we can't continue with the muddling through conversation until right. we've updated everybody on this important edge of your seat information when it comes to rabies awareness. Please, <laughs> I hand it over to Christy Purifoy reporting live from her own rabies experience. Yes. What's the latest? That is right. I felt very seen today, very validated, Lisa Joe, because um, I have an NPR news app on my phone. And one of the top stories, because it just highlights a couple things for you, one of the top stories um, was about um, a congressman in California who has um, just proposed some legislation trying to help make rabies vaccine shots and rabies treatment shots more affordable because he himself was bit by a rabid fox. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many questions (laughs) after that headline. So many (laughs) But I, so I saw it before I even read it. I sent it to Jonathan, my husband. I sent it to my family WhatsApp. I just, I, I just felt seen because here is sort of part two of the update. Um, if you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, you need to go back, what, two weeks, week before last? Yeah, the, the very, first in the muddling through yes, episodes. Very first of muddling through, which we're continuing today, um, in which I shared <laughs> our experience, recent family vacation experience, um, with a potentially rabid bat. Um, and I must also say that if you ever encounter a bat, you should assume it potentially has rabies. So, you know, there you go. Um, public service. Um, so I shared this a couple <laughs> weeks ago and I had, um, it was so, f- I, it, it seems as if that episode was very well received. I had quite a few personal messages from friends telling me how much they enjoyed hearing about my rather terrible experience. And I had one friend <laughs> especially who said, I don't know how you did it, but I was just really laughing with you and enjoying it. And she said, I don't think I could have told that story soon after the experience and, you know, told it with such lightheartedness. And she said, I just don't know if I could have done it. And this is the response I sent her, Lisa Joe. I said, well, <laughs> I was able to do that because the bills had not yet started coming in. Oh. Now the bills have started coming in. And even though we knew at a certain point in our treatment, about halfway through, we realized what this was going to cost us. Um, but when we recorded that episode a couple of weeks ago, um, I hadn't yet started paying these bills. It was still sort of theoretical in my mind. So to be perfectly honest, it would be harder today <laughs> to be as lighthearted. Oh. But here's what I'll say. We are, my family and I are, are, are taken care of. We're blessed that we do have health insurance through my husband's work. This is not true for all American families. I honestly sitting here do not know what 
an uninsured family would do in a similar situation. I don't know. It could bankrupt you. Um, I won't even tell you the number. I, I saw the what the ER billed my insurance company for just one of my rabies shot visits, and I had four, and each member of my family had four. The number was astronomical. And so I paid a much smaller amount of that, thanks to my ER copay. But even that smaller amount, times four, four. times mm. six, times f- you oh. know, six of us, um, was difficult to swallow, <laughs> let's just say. Wow. So I don't know. I, I, I meant this to be funny. I like I saw that news story and it just felt like, huh, it's not just me. It's not just me. But then there's also this sadness of like, oh, my gosh, sometimes like we're ta- we've been talking about muddling through, like sometimes the things that happen are seriously hard to muddle through. But yeah, I'm I'm grateful I can share this story. We are muddling through. It's going to be okay. We will pay these bills. We will move on. But still, darn bat er. Yes. But I mean, let us just go back to this congressman. How does a fox bite you? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? Like, aren't foxes afraid of people? I, well, I cannot fathom a situation in which a fox strolls over. Only a and you don't yeah. react. You just stand there. Only and a then rabbit the fox fox. bites you. Yeah, like, only a what is what, and it was rapid. Like, does he give any more details? Because I feel like I need this fleshed out in my mind. <laughs> you know, like many news stories, it gives enough details for you to only have more questions. So I read the whole <laughs> thing eventually after I sent it to like half a dozen family members. I did read it. It sounds like the congressman, congressperson was not the only one to be bit. Um, but but that's the thing. Rabid animals do not behave like normal foxes or normal bats. Yeah. So they go after you or and it's yeah. So I think multiple people were bit. I assume animal control was called and that they came and captured the fox. And then they do testing, which determined that, yes, in fact, it had rabies. So that's how everyone knew um, they needed shots. In our case, because the bat had died and then two days passed, we couldn't do the Mm. testing. If we'd been able to do the testing, that could have saved us potentially Lots of money. (laughs) Is it bad that I am picturing in my mind some kind of political outdoor rally with a bunch of people in dress clothes and then a fox fox. just chasing them at their heels, biting while like the can-can music is playing? (laughs) I just feel like somebody needs to create the scene as a sketch comedy moment. Right, (laughs) right. That fox is all of us when it comes to how we feel about politics these days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I will say, I have no idea to which varied political party this congressperson belongs, because it doesn't matter in this story. You can insert whoever, and it's hilarious. And I am laughing in order to not be crying as the bills right. from the ER <laughs> come in. Wow. Well, and it's also scary for him if they knew the fox did, in fact, have yes. rabies. Like, as you have said, it is yes. essential to receive treatment right away. So. Good gracious. I will be Googling this story and trying to follow it online (laughs) because I need to know. I need so much more information. (laughs) Oh, friends. So if you're just joining the series, we are having a series of conversations about just muddling through life. This is the podcast where we really want to help you grow a daily life that matters. And at the same time, recognize that mattering does not necessarily mean excelling at all things well. Sometimes it means just simply settling. Right. for a low bar in order to make it through, especially when things like fox bites or bad bites happen or you're going through a transition or there are goodbyes in your life or you're starting a new job or you're moving or 
Drumroll, please, for today's episode, you are heading into the holidays, which I think gives us a variety of feelings that can be complicated, especially if the holidays are juxtaposed with trauma or sickness or global catastrophe or war, like what's happening to our friends who are in Ukraine or natural disasters, like happening to all the friends and family that we have in Florida. Now you combine holidays with any of those pick-your-own-adventure stories, and muddling through becomes how we try to figure out how to do this, where holidays are sometimes laced and layered with meaning and expectation, and yet we're also juggling pain or sadness or sorrow or displacement or confusion or financial stressors. How how do we do it? And we're here just to tell you in the beginning, it's okay if you don't do it well. So we're here to just unpack a little bit of sometimes what muddling through holidays looks like when if you have to use the word muddling through, you know you're not operating in kind of the normal paradigm of how you approach the holiday season. (laughs) That's right. This is not going to be the Pinterest version of how to do Christmas or, you know, going back a few years before Pinterest, before the internet, um, the Martha Stewart Living Magazine version of of how to do Christmas. And um, I'm reminded, I I know, I feel like you and I have had a few conversations over the years, which is about something like this and which is appropriate because like you said in this podcast we really want to help um process for ourselves and help our listeners cultivate this daily life that matters grow this daily life that matters and and a significant season of our daily lives that comes around every year with regularity are these sort of high holy days feast days you know holidays however we think of them and um you know most significantly it's at least here in the U.S., this beginning with Thanksgiving, Christmas, and into the new year. So while on the one hand, this isn't ordinary life, it it is. It's a regular, predictable part of ordinary life. And so I'm remembering um, a conversation we had, I think, a few years ago, Lisa Joe, where I felt like we talked about this season as l- not so much something to do or perform or achieve um, in the way we might feel looking at Pinterest, but as something to receive. So I would love to, and and honestly, I don't really, I don't, I didn't re-listen to that episode. Um, I I don't, I think it's actually better that I don't remember exactly what we said, because sometimes these things are worth sort of rediscovering and maybe coming to new insight. But I, I feel like I'd love to begin there. If we're thinking about, if I'm thinking about what does it mean to set a lower bar with intention, um, knowing maybe there's certain constraints on the season or I'm just low energy or whatever, or I have a deadline, I have a lot going on at work. So I'm trying to set a lower bar. I'm already thinking about muddling through. I feel like the place I, I personally want to begin is this idea of receiving something in the season rather than having to perform or make happen. And that is especially hard, I will say, for moms, I think, mm. with children still at home, um, or maybe grandmas who have grand grandkids coming to stay, um, because there is this sense that the holiday only happens if mom makes it happen. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that pressure. Yes. I think that's a great descriptor. And now I'm waiting to hear you explain to me what that looks like, because I will, I will just confess. I mean, this year, even as, as soon as Thanksgiving, uh, Pete and I are already talking about a version of it that looks like muddling through. So the 
the story piece, and then I'll let Christy add the meaning piece. But the story piece from our side is that this year, um, Pete's family has some health issues that they're struggling with. His parents are in Florida. They had to evacuate in the middle of everything that's happened. And uh, Peter is planning to fly down for Thanksgiving to be there. And he is only able to take one of us to go. So our middle son, Micah, will go with him. And the reason why is that our older son, Jackson, has a huge soccer tournament that weekend. Now, did I ever think I would be a family who skipped some kind of holiday for sports? I did not. And yet, here we are. This is my life. So, he has three days of soccer in Pennsylvania, and Peter was planning originally to take him, and I just said, wait, wait, like, pause. Why are we missing Thanksgiving? You should definitely go. Mike is free. He can go. Zoe has something, so she's going to stay with Jackson and I. Is it what we would have ideally wanted to do. It's not. Could he have gone the day after Thanksgiving? So he was at least with us. He could, but it's much more meaningful that he's actually there with his family. And so since he's going to be there for Thanksgiving, he's actually going to go for the whole week. So now I'll be home with two kids. He'll have one child. We'll be split. I'll then be spending like the day after Thanksgiving when I normally do tree and decorating. I'll be in Pennsylvania in a hotel room. Is this my version of the holidays at their best? It is not, friends. So I will be, I'm, already trying to like remap that week. Zoe doesn't want to be trapped in a hotel room with us for three days <laughs> watching soccer. I don't blame her. So am I going to be able to get her to be at a friend for two days? I, there's just like so many levels of muddling through, you know, do I do a turkey if there's just the three of us at home? I've, I've not resolved a lot of these. The only thing I've done so far is accept it's not going to look like it normally does. And I feel quite a large degree of peace about that. And I think it's because and maybe this gets us back to the receiving. What the holiday is supposed to be about is meaningful connection with our families that we love. And we love Pete's parents. And I know it'll be very meaningful for them to have even a portion of our family there. I actually think in some ways it'll be easier not having an additional five people when you're already sort of in a stressed situation. And it'll be meaningful for Jackson to get to play in this big tournament and have me along with him. And he and I will create special memories together. So, yeah, I... I am definitely muddling through now what's going to happen in November. And um, I know that month I have some work travel as well, like not the ideal time of year for that. So, so yes, I guess I, I am a bit like a listener today, simply saying, I kind of actually feel like I'm writing into one of those advice columns, you know, like, dear, <laughs> in, in Afrikaans, we say Tani, that means auntie, like, dear Tani Christy, you know, here's my problem. I, my Thanksgiving will not be looking normal at all. Aww. You know, how do I still find meaning in it? Da, 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 da. Oh, that's <laughs> Help so me, funny. please sign <laughs> meaningless and muddling through in Baltimore. <laughs> I love it. Well, just listening to you talk, Lisa Joe, I feel like the first thing that jumps out at me, um, just listening to you. So this came from you. This is not coming from me, but, but what I'm hearing from you. And may, so maybe this is, we'll call this like step one in muddling through or something. Um, <laughs> I think it sounds like it's being flexible and responsible responsive, like you're responding to conditions that are what they are, illness, um, this evacuation in Florida, soccer tournament, like these are unchangeable things. And um, instead of like fighting them or like, you know, beating yourself against a brick wall, 
you've accepted them and you're responding to them and you don't know exactly what that will look like, but maybe that's step two. Maybe we'll get there. But yeah, I think step (laughs) two is like that flexibility and then that sense of like, okay, here are the givens and now my job is to respond and and what response is the most life-giving for everyone around me. And so for you to get, instead of holding on to some ideal, you've given your son um, permission to go and have that special time. And we pray it is a special time um, for uh, Micah and Peter. Um, And so, yeah, and, you know, you're thinking about Zoe and we don't have a solution there, but goodness, um, uh, Zoe with her, you know, extroverted love for friend time, I'm sure there's a solution, Right. right? But right. just this like flexibility and also maybe the other word is creativity, which is funny because mm. I know my own approach to the holidays, I tend to think of it as a creative experience. So I'm someone who I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. And I often now as an adult, I'm not an artist in the way that I wanted to be. I don't wear. So one year for Halloween, I was an artist and I wore a beret and like a white smock and I had a little paint palette that I made out of a paper plate or something. Um, Yeah, it was very cute. So I am not that. But I'm someone who values creativity and I like making things beautiful. And so during the holidays, I enjoy and I think about exercising my creativity with food or setting a table or preparing a gathering. But I think there may be another way to use our creativity if we're muddling through, which is not um, to do things like I used to do, which is, you know, Google like complicated napkin folding and beautiful table centerpieces. And, um, you know, there was one year I, I had a lot of guests coming and I even added this is hilarious. I added little battery powered twinkle lights into my built-in china cabinet because I thought, oh, it'd be so beautiful. We'll have all these like sparkly lights. And and it was, it was lovely. But, you know, I was like going overboard in a way that we are not recommending when you need to muddle through. (laughs) (laughs) We are not, cannot recommend. (laughs) Not recommending. So, unless you have the twinkle lights on hand and then knock yourself out. But even then, it might be too much to go find the box and the batteries. So, don't worry about it. Um, But instead, what does it mean to be creative in that hotel room, you know, during during the soccer match? What is, you know, what, you know, can I be that mom who um, has a lot of fun picking out a Thanksgiving rotisserie chicken with my child in the grocery store? I mean, any, you know, for kids, like for kids or, or even those, you know, I mean, we all have a kid deep inside of us. Like, there are ways to um, to make things special. I, I mean, we've goodness, Lisa Joe, we've seen the Hallmark movies, right? Where people are like having to like have a, a Christmas, but all the lights went out, or there's no power, right, or they're snowed right. in, or what? Right? Like, we can take that kind of creative attitude. We can like we can like Hallmark movie, you know, it up. And I do think, especially for those who do still have kids at home, I, what I I feel convinced of is the things that matter to me that feel special or beautiful to me are not the the same things for my kids. The things that I think matter for kids is that their parents are seem happy and seem like they're enjoying themselves and aren't stressed and are noticing them and talking to them. I just I know that means so much more to our family members whether they're little or big than um whether or not we had time to iron the tablecloth. I know that. Right. I know that. Yes. I often think in these situations our kids 
kind of like when they're little and they fall and they get hurt and then they look to their parents to try to understand, am I okay? I think that is at least what our family definitely has experienced this last year. Like our kids looking to their parents thinking, are are we okay? And my family has had some really difficult health issues and so has Peter's. And in years preceding that, there have been issues around job and finances. And our kids have constantly looked to us for that, am I okay? And so for Pete and I, it's been a lesson in modeling as believers, yes, we are. Like, you're right, circumstances may look like we are not okay, but in fact that we are. And I would go so far as to say that these are actually the holidays where our kids really will remember them in in a way that isn't just about, hey, I came to serve you with this amazing experience that you just passively receive. Yeah. <laughs> when, when we're muddling through and families have to become a team, a unit to figure out how to do that, suddenly the kids are not the center of the universe anymore and they have to figure out how to adapt and where there's meaning and their parents are their plumb line for that. And so we've talked to our kids. It's really meaningful for grandma and grandpa to have some family home. Jackson, we know it's meaningful for you to go to soccer, but you have to accommodate the fact that, you know, dad and Micah will have left and Zoe, like you're going to have to accommodate too because we're trying to serve Jackson too. And so there's a sense in which the family, I hope, becomes more mindful of the different members in the family and and what we each bring to each other. And I think that therein lies the beauty of Thanksgiving or Christmas, right? This awareness where we are able to take our eyes off of ourselves for a moment and look around at the rest of the family and appreciate, I guess, in that metaphorical sense, what what we're bringing to the table. Mm. And it's not just about the beauty of the decorations or the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, so one thing I actually do as a a gardener, what I've learned as a gardener, um, how I've grown as a gardener is that when I started, I thought I was, I thought my job, I thought what I was doing was to sort of create a pretty picture, right? That I would look out at my backyard and gardening meant I'm adding flowers, like little decorative touches. But what I've learned over this decade is that as a gardener, we're really like sculpting and creating an experience. So where is your path and where is a view and where is a tree and where is shade? That is um, altering everything about someone's experience in the garden. And, you know, a garden ideally should be a, a place to be in and to experience from within. But I think that that metaphor works for, um, that kind of spatial metaphor works for these seasons too, that we aren't just talking about pretty pictures. And um, I think especially in this current age where we're, culture is so visual and we're looking at Instagram or we're looking at Pinterest and we're getting sort of visual inspiration. And, and we always were with magazines and so on, is that we can kind of forget for a moment that what we're preparing for is an, ex- an experience, an experience of time, um, an experience with our family and not a picture we're creating or an image we're creating. And we talked about that a little bit, I think, Last week, as we, um, you know, brought up some of the pitfalls um, or some of the ways that social media puts pressure on us when we're in a season where we really do just need to muddle through. <laughs> so if if I shift that from like, I'm not creating a picture, I'm not creating a picture perfect Christmas, but I'm just figuring out how much planning or preparation can I do Um even in my own heart to prepare for an experience. And what do I want that experience to be like? And what do I want that experience to be like for my my kids or my guests or my neighbors and so on? 
it's it's a shift, but it's a significant one. And um, and honestly, it's one that let's say next year we're not muddling through, um, but I think it's a shift we would we'd probably want to hold on to. So even when we have more reserves of energy or time or resources, and we can do more, uh, we might. I, I hope I will just do more um, to prepare for experiences. Um, and kind of a journey through time through these days rather than um, the, you know, the new turkey stuffing recipe with 10 ingredients from the farmer's market or whatever that, you know, creates maybe an image. But actually, I guess that could be an experience, too, if it's really good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that distinction between pictures and experiences because, I, as we all know, pictures can be photoshopped or stolen yeah, from somewhere else or yeah. digitally altered. Pictures are never the truth. I very rarely are they the truth. And even when they're, you know, sort of the messy picture, that might not be the truth either. Like there's just a very hard degree of difficulty in interpreting pictures these days. And it reminds me so much. I had a memory from my childhood. So my mom had passed away. She'd probably been gone for a couple of years. And my father was a challenging parent to have um, in those days when he was struggling a lot with his own temper and in parenting us was often incredibly impatient and yet very concerned with the picture that we were giving off as a family. And it's been interesting in passing years as I've written about this, I've had family members from my mom's side or other parts of the family reach out and say, it's just so surprising what you've shared. I never would have realized that's how it actually was in your household. That isn't how we perceived it. That wasn't the picture that they saw. And I vividly remember a Sunday lunch we were hosting and it was very beautiful. Like we had, I think like a ham, you know, and it was have you seen those pictures of the ham where they have like the pineapple slices and the cherries on the ham and it's like the crackling is cut just so and the potato and we had all the spode dishes and the table was beautifully laid and we were waiting for the guests to arrive but my father was just in a lather about something he was so furious and he was like yelling at us but the focus of his yelling was his anger because the guests were about to arrive and we needed to look better, do better, present better. And I remember in the middle of his fury, I turned to him in the kitchen and I said, don't worry, dad, we'll be ready to fake it as soon as they get here. And he like, I watched his face and like he was so angry. And yet at the same time, it was a very shocking statement for him to receive from me. And he said to me, but I, that's not what I want. And I'm like, well, that's what we're doing. Like that is literally <laughs> what's happening right now. And I've thought about that often because in wanting to present a certain picture, we can completely miss the experience of what Thanksgiving or Christmas is supposed to be. So I guess this is just my PSA too, that I would rather have a muddling through chaotic, unpretty looking table, food, location, than I would the picture perfect version where everybody is angry and like crying on the inside. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I just encourage you that there's something to be said for modeling as parents, just the freedom to... I guess I'll combine it with this other story that I catered all through college. We catered very fancy events in very wealthy homes. Wait a second. Lisa Joe. how long have we been doing this podcast and how long have we been friends? And I don't think you've ever told us stories of catering. I'm sure. <laughs> are you kidding me? I sure I have. I've talked about Pat, the catering woman who was like my 
Euro. Haven't Maybe. told you the story. How is that possible? I don't know. Keep going. Maybe it'll start to be familiar, well, but I'm hearing it as if for the first time. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Well, I'll contrast Pat with my dad. So here we are catering these very exclusive, like East Coast, you know, North Shore of Boston events. And we would have to dress just so and the homes were so perfect. And we had to serve from the left and clear from the right and not talk to the guests. And it's just very, very fancy. And what I remember, Pat was, I, did, I would think of her as a dumpling of a woman. It's a good way to describe her. She was short and kind of chubby, but delicious. Like you wanted to hug her and be in her presence. And she was so warm and so wonderful with her little cherry cheeks. And we would be out there serving and it would go on for a long time. And then finally, when they would get to the speeches or the event part and they're, you know, we've cleared their plates. When we would come to the back of house, Pat would have laid a table for her servers. We would sit down, these college students, and Pat would serve us the exact same meal everybody else ate. Now, in catering, that's pretty standard. You get to eat the food, but usually like on the run, fast. No, no, no. She would create the same experience for wow. us. I get choked up thinking about it. And she would <laughs> serve us with just joy and delight. And we would always have this moment where we would get to sit down and experience the fancy food and Pat would serve us. And it's sort of like, so when we were out there serving, we were always anticipating, yes, this is a real celebration because we will go and sit down and Pat will have made this beautiful experience for us. And so I think about that a lot when I'm creating for my home. Like, how do my children have the experience I'm trying to give to these guests? Like, how do I have the experience? Like, what, what does it mean to give them the gift of this Thanksgiving experience that then comes without anger or snapping. And I won't say without stress because I think it is stressful sometimes and that's okay. But but with joy, like what does it look like for your own family to anticipate the joy of the experience they are trying to create for others, but to know, to know they have a real stake in it as well the way Pat gave to us when we were in college. <laughs> Lisa Joe, I really don't think I've heard about Pat before. That is such Aww. a picture of like the kingdom of heaven. I, mm. That's really amazing. It, it, it sparks a couple thoughts. So it reminds me of a song I know you and I both love called The Meal We Did Not Make. We could not the make. The Meal We Could yes. Not Make. Son of yes. Laughter. Is that Son of Laughter? Yes. Um, we'll have to link to that in the show notes, listeners. Um, it's a beautiful song. Lisa Joe and I both love it. And um, it just, it, it's this sense of like the table that has been set for us by Jesus Christ and the feast we're invited to. And just the sense of like everything is given and we are we now with Christ are inheriting the kingdom, like we're kings and queens with Jesus, and and this table's been prepared for us, and just the abundance and beauty of of um, that imagery. And I think you know if we're preparing a table for Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, to keep that in mind, you know the table that's been set for us, surely that will help us. I think to to serve or be less stressed or um, enjoy those aspects of it that are life-giving and muddle through the rest. Um, gosh, so yeah, that oh, Pat and that song. And then also, <laughs> so I'll share this little, this little tidbit, which at first will seem like the opposite of muddling through. <laughs> but here, here's a, 
a, a little Christmas tradition, and it is quite small, but something I started a few years ago with my kids when they were a little older. I will just say that when they were not tiny, um, but once they were older and able—this is very important—able to dress themselves, able even <laughs> to do their own laundry. I will say that as well. Um, we 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 made a couple shifts in our Christmas Day family traditions, and the first one is that instead of a fancy Christmas lunch, which I think I had always grown up having um because it tends to be just us at christmas or maybe just with you know one or two family members or guests we switch from doing a lunch to like a supper time dinner time an evening meal and we did that primarily so that i could still have a kind of relaxing christmas morning with everybody without a rush to like cook a turkey or get a ham warmed up or whatever you know, seemed like Christmas lunch. So we shifted a meal. Um, but because I'm someone who does enjoy a bit of a feast and a fancy dinner, like I did want to mm. keep it. Muddling through number two, you get to choose. So if you do not want mm. a fancy Christmas meal, you do not have one. <laughs> um, right. But I really, I like it. And as long as I I'm, I'm do it very simply or even order food ahead from a restaurant or, you know, whatever makes it easy, then it still brings a lot of joy. But here's the, the thing that we did. A couple of years ago, I started requiring, yes, requiring, <laughs> not suggesting, <laughs> requiring <laughs> that if I were going to prepare a fancy Christmas meal, that my family, my husband, my four children would come to the table dressed up, not in the pajamas they had been wearing all day, but dressed yeah. up. Now, the bar is set low. I usually cook and then I, th I like throw on a dress or, you know, I don't, I maybe don't even put makeup on. Like, you know, I, I'm not talking about spending, you know, an hour at your Christmas toilette, but I would, I would tell my boys, you need to take off your pajamas or tell my girls to take off your pajamas, go upstairs and you will not be eating Christmas dinner with us unless you come down dressed Aww. for the experience. And so a couple of things. Number one, it was like me saying, me sort of like inviting my kids into the experience and saying, I'm, I'm creating an experience for us that's special. And, and you have a role in that. You can respond to that. And so one way you respond to that is not coming to the Christmas table with your, you know, your, the PJs you've been wearing all day. So I'm inviting you into it. And, and I'm giving you a chance to sort of show honor, like in, in gratitude to me <laughs> and to what's been prepared. And then number two, um, because I required it and they, and in a sweet way, but they know there's no getting around this. If I want to eat mom's beef or ham, <laughs> you know, I have to dress up. They, they embraced it. They have all day to just play and relax. And then it's not till evening. And then the thing I'm saying is like, even though it's just us as a family and there are no guests and there is no one here to see this picture, um, just for ourselves, we're going to find something fun in our closet and we're going to find the tie and we're going to find the suit jacket. And it, I, it doesn't matter if it's wrinkled. If you don't have shoes on, fine, you know, <laughs> but more or less, like we've pulled ourselves together and, and had fun doing it. And my boys have, have gotten into it and even become a bit of a competition that, you know, if one of them comes down looking <laughs> not quite as fancy as the other, then they get a little bit of ribbing. Like you didn't even try, look how good I look, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and we make a bit of a competition out of it. But that right there, like, 
the picture of it seems extra, right? <laughs> like you're dressed up. And I and a couple of times I've even shared a picture with my family and they have said something like, oh my gosh, your kids aren't in pajamas as if we've gone beyond. But I know from inside, we haven't. We've done honestly something that is very easy for us. We've just changed clothes. And yet that very easy thing has actually transformed the feeling of of what we're doing, um, the feeling of the experience. We all come to the table now with very different attitudes um, in a way, but it didn't, you know, we didn't iron, we didn't, you know, we didn't, it, it wasn't right, an right. effort, right? And yet something simple to make it feel festive. So I share that just to say that it is a festive season, right? And so we can muddle through, I think, in ways that honor that and acknowledge that and honor the people we may be spending the holiday with, but in ways that are fun and easy. And, you know, I just think of Jesus saying, oh, honey, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Right. You know, just enter right. into Christmas. <laughs> so in our house, we enter into it with, you know, button-down shirts and and ties and maybe a strand of old pearls, and we have fun with it. So... I like it. You muddle through in meaningful ways. I I guess the last example I give of this when I was thinking about you describing sitting down at the meal we could not make, that song is so beautiful. But, you know, communion is the perfect example of that, right? That's the ultimate meal that Christ serves us. We could not make it. We just receive it. And he literally is like, don't get dressed up for this meal. Just come the way that you are is how I want you. Don't wait till you've got it all together. Like, then you've waited too long. Like, come when you're the biggest mess. And I grew up in a church that was very formal about communion and unfortunately very legalistic about it. That if you were coming to church and bringing a guest on a day when they happened to be serving communion, you had to literally fill out like a form assuring the pastors of this person's, you know, salvation and that they're right with Christ or else they couldn't take communion. It really stripped a lot of the joy out of communion. And I remember being really shocked when I heard, I think it was Lisa Harper, the wonderful Bible teacher, describing a time when she was doing a prison ministry and she was hosting a Bible study inside a women's correctional facility. And they were talking about communion and she was literally doing this example of how Christ wants you to come right now, not when you're out of prison, not when you've got your life together, right now, and he invites you to communion. And she said, the group the group said to her, could we do communion now? And she said she had this moment where she thought, gosh, I don't have wine or grape juice or crackers. I don't have the cute little sanitized couplets that they now serve at our church. That's, you know, you kind of peel back the top and there's the wafer and you peel further and there's the juice. It's all sanitized since COVID. And she said she sat awkwardly in this group of women, wasn't sure what to do. She just gave this whole spiel about how come as you are. And one of the women said, well, I I've got half a Diet Coke. And someone else said, oh, I've got Kit Kat. And she said they sat and did communion. They passed around this Diet Coke can that everybody took a sip out of. And they broke off pieces of like a Kit Kat bar or some other random chocolate and she said it was the most profound communion of her life because the point is not 
the wafers and the wine. The point is Christ's body and his blood shed for us. And I think that's what we're trying to get to at the end of this conversation, that these holidays are not about your table or your food or what you wear. They're what those things stand for. So that's what I love, Christy, about you guys coming dressed because you're actually experiencing something that it stands for, you know? Pete will be in thank Pete will be in Florida and we'll be here for Thanksgiving, but we are entering into like what the spirit of Thanksgiving is. And and so we just invite you, listeners who we love, to if you are muddling through this year, to just remember that that you're entering into a season that's about experiencing and participating in something, not presenting or picturing something perfect. And so if your bar is high, if you have an exquisite tablescape, how wonderful. Like we're so delighted. And yet please let it still be the same experience as somebody who might be muddling through with Diet Coke and leftover Kit Kats, <laughs> celebrating the same story. Oh, that's really beautiful, Joe. I got goosebumps when you shared that story. And I am, you know, I am a high church girl. <laughs> we have yes. wine, we have bread, we have a common cup, even in this age of COVID. And yet I too just delight in that image of both. Sometimes it is that con that, you know, stained glass church experience and a common cup of wine. And sometimes it is Diet Coke and Kit Kats. Oh, <laughs> that's so precious. And um and I don't know I don't know what <laughs> my Christmas will be like, my Thanksgiving. You know, if it's like others, there'll be moments of both and we will we will careen fairly wildly between one and the other and there will be moments where I was aiming for the stained glass and the red wine um, and yet what what will be given will be much more like Diet Coke and Kit Kats and um, yeah but just thank you for giving me eyes I hope I pray that in that moment um, to receive you know the meal I could not make even in that and maybe especially in that it's really precious so um, yeah, I echo what you share, and um, I just hope that our listeners will be blessed um, in this upcoming holiday season, no matter in the Diet Coke, in the wine, in the Kit Kats, and all of it. It's good. Amen. <laughs>